0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. But as Stokes mentioned, we going through our Our House series. And I know last week you guys talked all things marriage and singleness. And uh, tonight we get to talk all things dating, which is great. And uh, I know that dating is a bit of a complicated uh, topic. And just to clarify, when I'm talking about dating, I'm talking about all the romantic types of things. So I'm talking dating, I'm talking courting, I'm talking special friends, if any of you have those. I'm talking exclusive but not labelled. And I'm talking about whatever else you call it that means you kind of have an interest in another person together and just somewhat just seeing each other. Uh, You know, those kind of relationships where we put our heart on the line, and we go, you know, maybe there's something here, maybe you'll love me, warts and all, those are the relationships we're talking about, and the reason we're talking about them, well, the reason I think I'm talking about them is because the word on the street is that I've done the full gambit of the different types of relationships, so I'm an expert on all of them. I've done the year eight date for two weeks and never talk to each other because you're too shy and nervous relationship. And for some reason, she broke up with me for a guy that would actually speak to her face to face. Don't know why, but uh, that happened. I've also done the very serious uh, one that lasted nearly two years only for me to drop the God told me to break up with you card. And I hate that card and you should never use it. But genuinely, 100%, I... I had God tell me that I need to break up with her, all right? I just, I was in the middle of worship. You can't, you can't challenge me on that. I was at a Christian camp. You genuinely, like, the most spiritual moment, and it was clearly from God. I also have been horrifically bad at relationships. My first kiss was me cheating on my 15-year-old girlfriend with her best friend. So, yeah, been there, done that. And then I was also cheated on by the first girl I ever said I love you to. So... What I'm saying tonight is whatever I say, do the opposite of that, and you should be somewhat okay. But I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I am now married, and this isn't like just a pretend ring, so you'll believe me. Tonight when I talk about dating, I'm genuinely married, so I'm hoping that with all of that experience, all of those mistakes, and somewhat, I guess, a sense of success, I guess, <laughs> I will have learned some things and be able to hopefully help guide you guys through it in a way that it will be a little less traumatic than what I went through and what the people on the other side of me had to go through as well. But what I have noticed about dating, and I'm sure you've all felt it, is that dating is hard, it's complex, and it's something out there that even in Christian circles we have a whole variety of different ideas about it, different ways of doing it, different thoughts on it. And... Part of it is we live in a world that also has a very different perspective on dating at the moment. You know We have a very predominant hookup culture in the world around us at the moment where the idea of long-term commitment is foreign, let alone marriage. I mean, the statistics actually say that the f- age of first marriage in Australia is now 30.7 for men and 29.3 for women. And that's including you Christians that are getting married at like 21 and 22, right? And you're pulling that average all the way back down. Like if you think about it, in the secular world, Marriage is not something that happens until early to mid-30s, at the earliest. That's kind of the world that we live in. So we're navigating this idea of singleness and dating and how to do it well when it seems to be something that we're going to do for a fair few years. You know, dating is something we kind of start thinking about when we're 12, maybe 15, depending on your thoughts on girl germs and boy germs and all that. But it's something we start thinking about in our teen years and potentially are going to spend something between 12 to 15 years navigating. So this isn't just a little topic that is emotionally difficult, it is something that also consumes a fair amount of time in our lives. So there's no way around it, dating is important for us to navigate. And I think before we go any further, we just need to acknowledge some of the things that make it even more complex today. I mean, today, uh, we have all of these things around online dating, you know, we've got dating apps, we've got concepts such as ghosting, benching, breadcrumbing. And even, uh, there often seems to be stages to dating now, such as seeing each other, but not exclusively. And then there needs to be an extra conversation that makes your relationship exclusive. And then you've got the conversation you have to have about do we announce it on social media? Like do we make our like Facebook relationship status a thing? Or do we just put in our Instagram bio our initials with a love heart next to each other? Or do we not say anything at all and just hope people pick it up by subtly putting photos of each other on our feeds and stories and just see if people will ask us and assume that somehow we've magically got someone to be in a relationship with us. That is big picture culture, right? Then we've got Christian culture. Now, I grew up in a time where there was genuinely a book that was called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Now, some of you may have heard of it. Some of you may have read it. But this guy who wrote it, realized that it was actually harmful in such a way that he has later apologized it for it and even was involved in a documentary, which you can go and find, called I Survived, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Yeah, because his book famously warned that dating could cause irreparable emotional damage. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But the solution he had was to embrace courtship, where couples pursue friendship before romance, it doesn't sound too bad, but this is where it really kicks in. Parents are given permission to offer advice and help guide the relationship. And he also advocated for strict boundaries within this. No kissing, no holding hands, and no being alone together before you tie the knot. And perhaps most famously, he recommended only beginning a relationship with someone if you could picture yourself marrying them in the near future. Now many of us may not have read this book or have heard this stuff, but we've felt the effects of some of these things are filtering through Christian culture. You know, we may have heard this phrase, I'm dating for marriage, which sounds great in a concept, but it's a mess of a sentence because if you've, ever been, if you've never been married or in a long-term relationship, how do you really know that you're dating for marriage, right? It's a concept that you actually don't really tangibly understand, and it's a challenge and a burden that leaves people too nervous to ask someone out, both parties confused about the depth of the relationship, and it leaves someone, when the relationship falls apart, potentially in a mess because they thought they were going to get married. Now you might think that's ridiculous, but I can tell you, I had conversations with young adults time and time again where I've heard this thing, they're emotionally devastated, they've been dating this person for eight weeks i like, why are you so upset? And they said, they said we were dating for marriage. I thought we were going to get married. Eight weeks in, because this sentence was something that was communicated. It's a very, very unhelpful phrase. So, I mean, dating by nature should be something that you're using to discern if you're going to get married, right? So it's basically saying, I'm going fishing to fish, right? It's like, yes, that's what you should be doing by dating, The other thing that we have in Christian culture is that we've often perpetuated this lie called the one, right? Many of us may believe in the one or can't wait to find the one or we think there is the one. But I just want to take a moment to just help us realize that this is an unhelpful statement as well. Because if you think you've got to find the one, how stressful is it in a world of 7.5 billion people to try and magically find the one preordained person for you to marry, right? Like, that's a stressful, stressful experience. But the other thing is this idea is actually closer to Greek mythology than biblical Christianity. So Greek philosopher Plato puts it like this. According to Greek mythology... Humans were originally created with four arms, four legs, and a head with two faces. Now, imagine seeing that. That would be disgusting. But fearing their power, Zeus split them into two separate parts, condemning them to spend their lives in search of their other halves. See, that's Greek mythology that leads into the one. If you want biblical Christianity, look to the life of Solomon, he had a thousand wives, so I think that's probably (laughs) the better number if you're trying to think about dating and marriage, right? (laughs) Now I'm kidding, I've got one more than enough, right? But before we go any further, I really wanna hammer this point home. The one doesn't make sense, right? Even mathematically. If one person gets this wrong, the whole thing falls apart. If I was meant to marry Rach, she was my one, and she decided that she wanted to stay with her previous boyfriend, Sam. What a jerk, Sam, right? Like, imagine if she stayed with him, and he ruined everything, and all of a sudden, my one was gone. And then I find this girl named Jackie, and I'm like, Jackie, you're wonderful, but she's not my one, and I somehow convince her to marry me. Her one is now without their one, and it just ripples on Forever, right? And I cannot believe in a world of 7.5 billion people, no one's got it wrong, right? Someone somewhere has got this wrong and ruined it for the rest of humanity. So either we all got it right, which I can't agree with, or we've all got it wrong, which just sounds worse. So let's just pretend like the one doesn't exist because mathematically it is not possible and I genuinely don't believe it's biblical Christianity. So there are a couple of myths that I think we can bust and have a little bit of fun with before we get into the more deep stuff tonight. But tonight, I do want to share a couple of things that I think are really, really helpful for us when we talk about this concept of dating and how to do dating well, how to do dating in a way that honors God and honors others, how to do dating in a way that actually can be helpful for us and helpful for the person on the other side of us as well. And I think this is a message that's important for those of us who want to date those of us who are currently dating, but also those of us who may be on the other side of dating. You know, we're married and we feel like, you know what, this isn't something that's relevant for me anymore. But it is because there's people in your life who are either single and want to date or who are currently dating and need wisdom and advice and help navigating it all. I also want to say that this message is in no way a message that's saying all of us should be dating, and all of us should be aiming to get married, as if these are new levels of life that you've unlocked. That's not the case. at all. I know. Stokes would have touched on that uh, last week in that idea of marriage and singleness, This is a message for those of us who want to step into dating or who are dating so that we can do it as well as we possibly can. And this topic does have some challenges because there are no books in the Bible that are really clear. You can't go to Hezekiah chapter 4 and read a whole passage about how to do dating in the 21st century. There's no uh, verses, there's no rules, there's no thou shalt not date until they're 25 and have a fully developed frontal lobe cortex kind of thing. You know, there's none of that kind of stuff. There's no rules around who or what or any of that. But when it comes to dating tonight, I want to start with one passage that is very often used to talk about this concept of dating. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And it says this. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, if you've been around uh, Christian circles and Christian circles around dating, this passage is most commonly used as a reason for why Christians shouldn't date non-Christians, which does raise a great question, should we? Now again, the Bible doesn't have a clear verse where it says thou shalt not date non-believers in the 21st century. It doesn't have anything like that because as much as this passage leans that way, As much as we can read it and infer it, this passage is not addressing those relationships specifically. The key word in our understanding in this passage is the the word yoked, which was a term that was used to describe many things back in the day. uh, It was this thing that uh, in some ways they would put on an oxen or uh, field animals to tie two of them together to drag the plough through the field to make sure that they were working in the same direction, to put their powers together to plough the field as effectively as possible but it was also a term that was used for people who were learning from a religious leader at the time. And if they chose that they wanted to live their life in accordance with this religious leader, which was to say, I want to adopt their beliefs, I want to adopt their teachings, and I want to try and imitate the way that they live their life as best as I possibly can, they would take a yoke and put it around their neck to symbolize this was the Pharisee or the Sadducee or the religious leader of the time whose life I am coupling myself to whose life I am going to imitate. You do also have to remember that in Paul's culture at the time, dating wasn't a thing, and marriages were arranged. So when Paul is saying, do not be yoked with unbelievers, he is in no way thinking at all of 21st century dating. Rather, he's helping the readers understand that their lives should not be so closely linked with unbelievers that their lives are being lived under the same values, and under the same vision, and under the same teachings as them. Which I do believe has some practical guidance for dating. See, I do think that it's wise for us to be careful about dating someone who doesn't believe. The reason is not that they're evil, and that we should stick clear of them, but rather that as you navigate life, you're going to have a different vision on things. You're going to have a different view of issues. You're going to have different priorities. It's going to make it a challenge to do things together. Now, hear me clearly. Would I say it is a sin to date a non-believer? No. I don't think there's a biblical argument to say it is a sin to date a non-believer. Would I say it is a wise decision? No. But here, I want you to hear most clearly. Are you welcome here, loved here, valued here, cared for here, if you are? Yes. Yes. You know, will I personally, and I'm sure I can speak on behalf of the others on team here, would I want what's best for you? Would they want what's best for you? Will I pray for you? Will they pray for you? Will they offer support and help you as best they can? I believe the answer is yes. But here is where I think this uh, passage is actually a challenge for all of us when it comes to this idea of dating, not just those of us who are considering dating someone who doesn't believe the same things as us, because I actually think you can also be unequally yoked to use this concept with believers too. In the idea of having different vision, different values, different views, different perspectives in such a way that you are not actually going to be going in the same direction. Would you like a story of my own personal failure to illustrate the point? Great, cool. So when I was uh, 21, I was dating this girl named Chrissy. Now this is the girl I dropped the God told me to break up with you card on, so have some level of sympathy for her because that's never a fine card to be dealt. But we were uh, about 18 months into dating, and we were having a conversation uh, just about the future, right? You kind of end up doing that sort of stuff. And I was talking about how I felt called to ministry. I was already in ministry, and I was fully aware, being a pastor's kid, that ministry often means you have to move from time to time. You know, I was born in Sydney, but my parents moved uh, to Ballarat in Victoria. And there was a, a time when I was about 10 or 11 years old where we also moved, almost moved again. We stayed, but I knew that moving was very much on the cards. So I was talking to her about the fact that, you know, like in the future, I don't know where we'll be. Maybe we'll be in Sydney. You know, maybe we'll be in Brisbane. You know, God forbid, maybe we'll be in Perth. You know, like maybe we'll have to go all the way over there to that other country that's somehow in our country. And I was talking about that, and that was something that I knew was really important and a real possibility for my future. And she was great. She heard it. She understood. She empathized. She listened, did all those, you know, wonderful things. But a couple of weeks later, we were having another conversation, and she just circled back to it. Now, Chrissy was a a girl born in a Macedonian family, right? So, you know, Greek culture, you know, that kind of, like, just family is a big thing. So she loved this idea of, I want to be with my family, like, we would go to her grandma's place all the time, and she would do the classic, like, eat, eat, eat thing, just food on food on food. And she was trying to explain to me the fact that, for her, she couldn't see her future being outside of Melbourne. Because she really valued family. She was like, I don't want to be far away from them. I want to be close. I want to be near. I want to be able to pop over to my grandma's for lunch. I want to be able to see my family regularly and easily. And she was like, this is something that is really, really important to me. Now, I'm sure if God really clearly said to her she needed to move, she would have done it. But for her, she just couldn't see herself moving. She was like, it's just not part of my vision It's not something I value. It goes against it even. I can't see that being something I want to do, which is a really big challenge, right? Now, six months after that, I did drop the God told me to break up with you card, and it all kind of ended, and she was really upset, and I was like, I'm really sorry take it up with God, and I'm sure she did, and um, I'm sure he was fine with it. (laughs) Now, I want you to hear this. As I said, she was lovely. She was a really lovely girl, who really genuinely wanted to follow Jesus as best she could. And I'm not saying that because she didn't want to, you know, move, she wasn't a very good Christian. I'm not saying that at all. Just had different vision, different values for where we felt like we wanted to go with our lives. Now, think about the future, right? Three years after that conversation, I'm in meetings about a job up here in Brisbane, which I eventually take and move two states away, only for a couple of years into that, be involved in a global pandemic where I haven't been able to go home to Victoria for two years because of the borders. Imagine how she would have coped in that situation. A big move and then two years where she couldn't even see her family and yet it was such a big value for her. Now, my wife, Rachel, loves family. Like, she calls her mum three times a week on FaceTime and it's like, I'm always saying, hi, Karen. Yes, her mum's name is Karen, which is a shame as well. But. <laughs> It is, it's a shame, she hates it. She's like, I hate being Karen, because I say it, and then everyone's like, oh, and you're like, yeah. And the worst part is, she genuinely has a Karen haircut too, so, Ugh, the, the poor thing. Now, I want you to hear this, right? Rachel has the same thing. She really values family. She wishes she could see them all. The biggest ache on her heart recently has been the fact that she hasn't been able to get home and see her family. But when we were dating, we had a conversation particularly around this move to Brisbane where she was like, if this is what God wants us to do, then this is just what we have to do. I'm willing to do that, even if it means I have to be far away from my family. We had a a far similar vision. We had far closer values and we wanted to do life like the same, right? We were like, we want to do this. We want to be obedient. We want to follow wherever we have to go. We were a bit more equally yoked to use the term from uh, the passage in Corinthians. And it is important for us to understand that this is critical because the people that we invite into our lives in these dating relationships are so uh, just influential in who we are as people. If you go back through my Facebook profile pictures, you will be able to tell when Ben had a girlfriend and when he didn't because you will see that my profile pictures changed. For some reason, I went through a patch where I wore, like, v-necks with like an a button-up shirt loose over the top and a necklace can you imagine me wearing any of those things now like it was ridiculous but my girlfriend wanted me to wear it at the time so I did you know my music tastes would change and adapt a little bit not too much like I still love all the heavy stuff but I would listen to like some soft bands and I would get like you know oh wow look at that I'm listening to, I don't even know what's their name hollow coves or whatever I'm listening to that because that's what they like and it's That's what relationships do. They impact you. They influence you, which is why it's so important to consider, does this person have a similar value and similar vision for their life? See, on a more critical note, my relationship with God is a critical part of my personal vision and values for the future. Now, Rachel challenges me on how I relate to God all the time. You need to know I'm a solid four when it comes to praying, but I used to be a tough two, uh, before I met Rachel. Rachel is a phenomenal prayer, and being in a relationship with her, being married to her, has meant that my prayer life has grown and increased as I've heard and witnessed her praying, not just for me, but for others as well. See, how she communicates with God makes me better at communicating with God. But the person that you do these relationships with is gonna have a critically important, formative influence on who you become. So hear me really clearly. Try and work out your vision, and try and work out your values. Because the person that you're going to date is going to be someone who's going to influence you and form you in ways. But you need to be clear on who you are so that you can actually navigate these conversations and this season with a sense of purpose and clarity. Now, I want to move on to the next thing because I don't know if you've noticed this about relationships before, but they actually take two people, right? They take two people. And so often, we focus on the other person because we go, I'm going to entrust my heart to you. Please don't hurt it. You know, like, look at it. It's so soft and special and beautiful. Please don't hurt my heart. But as much as you're entrusting your heart to someone else, they're entrusting their heart to you too. And so the question always has to come back to, who should I be in a relationship as well? See, Andy Stanley says, the question that we should ask ourselves when it comes to dating is this, am I the person that the person I am looking for is looking for? Let me say that again because it's a bit of a tongue twister. Am I the person that the person I am looking for is looking for? And so tonight, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that I think gives us a picture of the type of people you and I should be aiming to be when we step into a dating relationship and in terms of how we conduct ourselves in it and even how we conduct ourselves if it ends. And the passage I want to look at is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 28. Now, it's going to use the words husband and wives, but roll with me, because you're going to understand the importance of it in a moment. It says this, "'Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless.'" in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, this passage is famous for its marriage implications. But if dating is discerning and determining who we will marry, then this should be, I believe, a guiding passage for our dating relationships. Because don't be fooled, There isn't some amazing Holy Spirit download that happens as soon as you say, I do. You're not there. And Andrew asks you, you know, do you take each other yet? And he's like, I do. And you're like, holy moly. Was that tongues of fire in my hands and on my head? Am I now an incredible husband? You know, like, it's not how it works. Instead, the reality is the person you are in your dating relationship is the one that you will be on day one of your marriage. So, my question to you tonight is, are you becoming this type of partner. Now, boys, you need to hear this very clearly. I'm gonna speak from the male perspective around this because I am a male, just to clarify for those who are wondering. A smart woman will not marry you until you're already that man. Now, I want you to also realize that all the women in this room just heard that, so they're now smart women, (laughs) okay? You're now qualified as smart women. So, girls, you need to hear this as well. Don't settle for anything less. If they're not there yet, make him earn it. Now, I'm gonna get all cheerleader on you, like, let's go, but seriously, don't underestimate your value. Don't let yourself underestimate what you're entitled to. Don't let yourself be disrespected. Don't let them get away with being boys when they should be men, and remember, You are loved, you are valuable, you are beautiful, you are wonderful, and you are worth being celebrated and having someone love you deeply. But I want you to hear the first part again. You are loved, you are valuable, you are beautiful, and you are worth being celebrated, whether you have a man in your life or not. But the challenge does go both ways. So, girls, hear me clearly here. It does say that wives are called to love and honour their husbands, which means as girlfriends you are to love and honor your partners, cheer them on, support them, build them up, help them see how you see them, speak life into them. Now, men are often full of bravado, you've obviously felt it, and you're like, what is this, it's gross, but deep down, boys are looking for love and approval. That's why for some reason we'll be at a party and try and lift weights in front of girls because we think that will impress them. (laughs) But despite that, And in fact, in spite of that, (laughs) love them, honour them, build them up, and most importantly, be a safe place for them to let their guard down. What we have to recognise is that there is actually a fair bit of responsibility when we step into a dating relationship because we are taking responsibility to care for, love, invest in, and just inspire and, and help build another person. And that's not something that we should step into lightly. Like, are you actually ready? As much as you want to be in a dating relationship, are you actually ready to look after and love someone? Because as much as being in love feels like those feelings you get when like, you're just standing next to each other and you're just like, oh, did we just brush little fingers? And you get like that little rush up and through you and your butterflies stir up and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And they walk into a room and you're like, oh, I'm sweating immediately. Like, what is this? As much as love is a part of that, warm feelings and great joy, all of those things. Paul says that men are to be husbands who love their wives as Jesus loves his church. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but Jesus died for his church. He laid down his life, he washed the feet Of the disciples, he suffered so that they may flourish. He cared for the sick. He was a voice of wisdom and he was a loving embrace for all. And so, if that was how Jesus loved his church, then that must be how we love one another. See, will we be willing to lay down our lives? Will you be willing to serve the other? Will you be willing to put what is best for them above what is your personal preference? Will you be a source of wisdom and support? Will you care for them when you're sick? Will you be a loving embrace? See, I love my wife, Rachel, so for me, loving her is doing all of the things that we enjoy. You know, it's laughing together while watching Ted Lasso or Brooklyn Nine-Nine at home. It's enjoying time walking together, sharing our lives together. It's making dinner together. It's watching her laugh and finding great joy on the fact that she, for some reason, sits on the couch like this (laughs) and is apparently relaxed and comfortable, and I just have no idea how. It physically hurts me to do it. But it's all of these wonderful things. But it's also making dinner for us when she's tired and needs a rest. It's thinking about the fact that she might like a hot water bottle for bed and making it before she even asks. It's about saying no to hanging out with the boys who are going to the footy because you know you need a night together because her love language is quality time. It's listening to her work situation when you have your own stuff going on. And it's getting her pain medication after an ACL reconstruction at 2am in the morning even though you have youth conference day two in a few hours. Now hear me clearly, I'm not a perfect husband, so much so that I made sure Rachel was on team at Mackenzie tonight so she couldn't be here to tell you otherwise. (laughs) But when we think about dating, we can be so obsessed with finding the right person for us that we actually forget that we also need to be the right person for them. That love is not about how another person makes us feel, but about how we lay our lives down for them instead. Now, don't expect perfection from yourself. Don't expect yourself to measure up to this standard or to have it all together all the time, but rather ask yourself the question, are you willing to rise to the challenge? Are you willing to take it on and say, I'm willing to try and work my butt off to get there? Because if you are willing to rise to that challenge, then I would argue you are actually ready to hold the heart of another. Now, before I finish, I do want to address those in the room this evening who feel like you may have already ruined it. Maybe there's some things that you've done in the past, some traumatic relationships that have happened, and you go, you know what, there is no way I can do this again. For a whole myriad of reasons. Maybe because you're too heartbroken and you feel like I can't get there again. Surely I can't trust someone again with this. It hurts too much. I'm not sure I'll be able to step back into this. Or maybe because of what you've done and you feel like that disqualifies you from being in a relationship. You go, Ben, if you'd seen what I've done, if you've seen the way that I've treated people or the things that I've done with people in relationships, you would know, like, it's over for me. I can't, I can't do that. I want you to know that there is actually restoration for what is broken, You know, as Sirk said earlier, you know, there is actually a name that is above all other names, that when the things that we've been told or the things that have happened to us try and hold us back or keep us captive, that there is actually a name that will restore the things that are broken in us, that will lead us to freedom and help us walk in the fullness of what God has for us. See, we ourselves had a broken relationship with God himself. You know, we'd sinned, We'd fallen short. We'd missed the mark. And God, in his goodness, sent his son Jesus to come down, live with us, be with us, show us the very heart and character of God, who spent so much time caring for and restoring what was broken in people's lives. That's what he did. And then he eventually died for us on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, and who rose again, declaring victory over death. See, God has always been about restoring what is broken. If he restored what was broken in our relationship with him, do you not think he will also work at restoring what is broken within you and your relationships with others? See, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose, because God is able to take what is broken. God wants to take what is broken and bring it together. So you might say, Again, that you haven't been a good boyfriend or girlfriend. You did some things that you wish you didn't do. But God has been at work in your life, and he is working those things together so that you can see what was broken, restored in your life. So whatever your situation, there is actually hope. But as we come into land, let's just recap what we've talked about tonight. When we talk about this concept of dating, the first thing that we need to remember is that when it comes to working out who we should be dating, we need to think things through the lens of values and vision. Do we have a similar set of values and vision for our life? Attraction is something that will happen, right? You don't necessarily need to work on that. That's just what happens. But you do need to consider, do we have the same vision, the same values? Are we going in the same direction? And that is what dating is meant to help you discern. Secondly, secondly, that one of the most important aspects to dating and determining whether we are ready is to actually ask ourselves, am I the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? Am I ready to step up to the challenge that Paul lays down for us as husbands and wives, people in dating relationships in Ephesians chapter 5? Are we willing to rise to that call to lay down our life to love the other person? Are we actually responsible and ready to take on the responsibility to love and look after another human being? Have we begun the journey of becoming the people we need to be in order to protect, care, support, encourage, challenge lovingly, give counsel to, embrace, and love another? Then finally, that if you're here and you think your past is what is holding you back, that your past is what is stopping you, that your past is what makes you too broken for you to consider dating or stops you from believing you're worthy of being in a loving relationship, that tonight you know that there is actually hope, that God wants to restore what was broken and he wants to bring hope despite what has happened in the past, that these things do not disqualify you anymore. And so tonight, I want to create an opportunity for us to respond to what God's been doing tonight. I know there's a fair bit in there in terms of what we've unpacked, but I do want to give us the opportunity to respond. In a moment, we're going to stand together and sing. And in that, I would actually love for us to respond in one way. And the the way that I want us to focus on is the response about what God is calling us to in ourselves. See, so much of dating, we can focus on the other person. But here's the thing. You can't make another person fall in love with you, right? You can't force them to say yes to a date. It gets creepy and weird when you do that, right? Like, don't do that. You can't control that. You can't control whether someone else will fall in love with you. You can't control whether someone else will get feelings for you. You can't control any of that. But we can work on ourselves. We can ask God, God, what is it that you're doing in my life right now? And how can I join you in what you're doing? How can I work with you in my life so that I can be the person I need to be in the future? Whether that is as a single person, as a person in a dating relationship, or as a married person, because the call is the same for all of us. We're all called to be more and more like Jesus, right? doesn't matter your relationship status. That is the call. But if you go, you know what? I I do want to be in a dating relationship. I do feel like that's something that I want in my future. And I am wanting to rise up to that challenge. I want to take a moment for us to pray for you. So we're going to stand to our feet. Why don't you jump to your feet now? And what I'd love for you to do, if that's you, if you wanna say, yep, I wanna rise to the challenge of being that person, whether you are in a dating relationship right now or whether you wanna be one in the future, whether you thought you were ready but maybe you're not anymore and you go, I wanna be that person, I wanna rise to that call. I wanna be the man, I wanna be the woman that God has called me to be in these relationships, someone who will willingly lay down my life for the other and recognize that this is just as much about me as it is about finding someone else instead. If that's you here this evening, we wanna pray for you. I want to pray that God would just give you the vision of who he's calling you to be. I pray that God, I want to pray that God would give you the strength to pursue it. And I pray that God would want to give you the, that you would want the patience to wait until you really are truly ready to love and care for another person. So if that's you this evening, I'd actually love for you to just start coming out of your seats right now. If you want to rise to that challenge, just come out of your seats right now. I'm going to give you the opportunity. There'll be a chance during the song, but don't wait. Like, don't wait to respond to what God's doing in your life. Don't wait to respond to the challenge. If that's you this evening, come down the front right now. We'd love to pray for you. I know it can be intimidating because it kind of feels like you're saying, I'm not ready to be dating yet, and I would like to be. But that's okay. This is the kind of people that you should be having those conversations with. You're meant to do this together. You're meant to support each other through it. You're not meant to do it on your own. So that's you. I'd love for you to come down right now. I'm just going to give you one more chance. Come down the front. Great. love that It's boldness, well done. Anyone else? Don't wait, don't hesitate. All right. If you know these people, I'd love for you to come down and gather around them and just start praying for them. But I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing this song. And then uh, I would love if you feel the the call while we're worshiping, just come down the front. And if you see a friend come down the front, just begin to pray for him this evening. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're teaching us around this topic of dating. Lord, I want to thank you for the call to rise to who we can be in these relationships. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to take the example that we see in Christ and recognize that that is who we can be, Lord. And God, I just pray that you would stir that challenge in our hearts, Lord, that we would rise to it, that we would be people who can be trusted with the hearts of another. So Lord, we pray all this in your name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.